Hello, my mucky mucker. How you doing? Mucky mucker. All right. Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty swell to be honest. Pretty pretty bloody swell. All ready to to get week eighteen in the wraps. Get the regular season thoroughly battered away, like fireflies in the night sky. And I've got a giant fly swatter because it's time to fucking get rid of at least sixteen teams right off the bat. That was quite a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> brutal, brutal violence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. dear, I am. Um, I'm excited about this week. It should be a cracking episode. Even if I, I, you know, I have some. I have some horses in this race that make me sad. I'm still very, very excited to get into it. It's yeah. going to be a great episode of that. I'm certain. And we have the warrior returning alive, Mister Samuel Longdon, making an appearance. That is true. It's been quite some time since he's been off, like learning and and writing essays entirely about like horse insemination. So let's let's hope and pray that he's not going to bring uh, his his weird he's medical actually, terms yeah. around here. His his joints are fatigued from the amount of horse inseminations he's been doing. <laughs> and let me tell you, words. Some horses got inseminated this past weekend, as the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> will come out of those. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think I can use that. It's why I said it. Oh now, no, I as think... opposed to later. <laughs> I think it can certainly be used. I don't know what I'm <laughs> oh, we're just basically waiting for Sam at this point to to get going, but. As I've already sort of mentioned, the NFL regular season came crashing to a halt with Week 18, and the playoff picture has been decided, and we will come across every single one of those scenarios. Like last week, we are going to try our best to cut out all of the faff in between, um, out of all of the games that had absolutely zero merit or intrigue. But unfortunately, we got a piece of news right off the bat, Post week eighteen, that means we have to talk about one of these absolute floundering games because the the Vikings and Bears double doinked their GM and head coach at the same time. Ed, as a Vikings and Bears household, what's the reaction been to the latest news that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and then Rick Spielman and uh, Mike Zimmer have all been relinquished? I was um. I was quite upset that Zimmer and Spiel, especially Spielman went right. Not not wildly upset because I think it was probably Zimmer's time, but there was a marked difference in mine and Emma's responses to this because Emma was like, "Yeah, sure, they don't belong here," and I was sort of a bit like, "Oh, it'll be sad to see them go," and she was like, "I won't be sad to see the back of Matt Nagy, <laughs> the I, H. John I, Benjamin impersonator himself." I, yeah, I really don't. I don't think that there's any better way to sum it up than the Vikings will feel probably more like this is the right time to move on, but sad to see you go. And Bears fans have been crying out for the end of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for what feels like three years. Um, so Yeah, ever since he won the coach of the year and then double doinked and then things haven't really been right in Chicago ever since that moment, which is a a strange situation to be in. And I think that... I don't know. I think I think Ryan Pace gets a lot of bad rap, and ultimately, like the Trubisky trade 
Trubisky trade and pick may have sealed his fate even from way back when because outside of that he's not a bad drafter especially on defense especially mm-hmm. on defense but like it's 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 it got to the point where there was just no no further rope for Ryan Pace yeah i mean he assembled uh, a good defense but when you look at the the amount of talent that he had to well the amount of capital that he had to send away to get that talent for example <sighs> I know that the Khalil Mack trade is one that many Chicagoans are sort of split upon. Uh, but on, from the outside looking in, the production that Mack has actually had since arriving in Chicago for the, what, two first round draft picks that they sent to the Raiders, it's not been, it's not really worked, which feels feels sort of wrong when you consider it. But like, since arriving in Chicago, Khalil Mack has been a game wrecker without any form of meaningful wrecking it feels like i don't know i feel that's a bit unfair i feel like uh, <laughs> emma would be jawing at you right now and i feel like it's my responsibility to do the same <laughs> um i think that i think that mac mac's impact should be viewed on the defense as a whole because he was the final piece in a really good a really good like thing, and also he's he's had a lot of injuries, which aren't his fault. So, I, is it the jury's still out on this trade? Because you can look back on it in a couple of years if he's not there anymore and say it's a it's a busted trade. But at the end of the day, he's still a premier pass rusher when healthy. He's just not healthy enough. Mm. Anyway, uh, from the non Bears perspective, Ed, have you got any sort of final words for the Rick and Zimmer era? Just because. This is the last time we're talking about either of these two teams today. Just sad to see him go. All right. Welcome in, Sam. Uh, How in the dickens are you? Do you feel remotely Uh, confident to cover 14 games of NFL action? Um... Astute. Oh. Oh god. There's a man talking about the Buffalo Bills and I don't know what tab it's coming from. Oh Oh dear. <sighs> so unfortunate. if Mac Jones has done well in spurs. This is the height of unprofessionalism. Alright. I'll tell you what, they'll be they'll be looking down on us down over at the college chaps. They will. They absolutely will. Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brit. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. Week 18, baby. We're finally on. 14 games of meaningful NFL action were played this Sunday, and where better place to start than with the Saturday games where the Chiefs look to try and wrap up an NFL AFC playoff position one seed and very nearly got taken right to the wire by little old Denver who fired Vic Fangio after this game on the very first edition of Black Sunday as opposed to Black Monday. But Vic Fangio out in Denver and the Chiefs end up taking a win 28-24 the big news story here, though, for me is that Tyreek Hill 
uh, played the majority of this game looking a little a little shaken up on the ankle area. Because um, I'm not going to lie, the game was pretty good, but ultimately meant nothing. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was meaningful in that this is the last time we'll see the Fangio Broncos, and I think there's a small post-mortem to be had there. But the Chiefs just... Taught, they after that sort of initial initial wobble, they just sort of grabbed the season by the scruff of the neck and went, "We are better than this. We will make the playoffs, and we will get the, we will sort of top our group." And is when's the last time they didn't top the group? Was it twenty fifteen? Uh, yes, I believe so. Maybe twenty sixteen. But... Maybe twenty sixteen. Certainly back to the Alex Smith era, even so, like. Yeah. It, it it goes to show you, like, bigger than this game, like, this Chiefs outfit is built to last, in addition, built to be great. One million percent. They're also built to just be, like, at least remotely exciting. You're never really guaranteed a bad game when watching the Chiefs. I can't, I can't really picture the last time that they didn't at least, like, provide some kind of intrigue, even if it was just, like, an occasional well-worked pass play. Um... On the other side of the ball, Drew Locke had another absolute howler in the air, but on the ground, provided a little bit of extra pop. Uh, as yeah. I think his stat line by the first half, like the end of the first half, he'd had more yards on the ground than in the air, which uh, is abysmal, to be honest, for a quarterback. Unless your name's Lamar Jackson, in which case then it's great. Because usually but... that rushing yards isn't 35, it's usually upwards of near like 90 but you know the thing the thing about drew lock is that he was such a such a gunslinger in year one and then they i think what they've done is overcorrected but like to a massive degree because now he seems an incredibly timid passer like he doesn't stretch the field he doesn't put the ball down the field anywhere near often enough all with as much confidence and sort of panache that he did in that first year like I know that he made a lot of bad mistakes in his rookie year while he was trying to cork it down deep, but he was overthrowing guys left, right, and center, especially early doors in this one. I think he had Jerry Judy open for touchdowns on multiple occasions and just overthrew him. Not what you want out of your cannon arm. Yeah. Does this uh, did this game not give you some concerns for the Chiefs defense? A bit. Over- They've they've been so good all year, and it just kind of as the offense kind of started to get its shit together, they've just deflated a bit. Like if there was a more competent quarterback in Denver, I think this would have been fairly kind of cut and dry. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter that much because they have to play the Steelers. But yeah, I mean the the defense like started out rough. The first like what eight weeks of the of the year, the Chiefs' defense was, you could arguably say, like in terms of uh, crucial penalties at the worst opportune uh, times and terrible coverage skills. Like you could easily say that maybe the Chiefs' defense was like a bottom ten unit, and then they've turned it around ever since. Like Spags realized, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just blitz every play, but it still doesn't work quite as effectively against teams that have like remotely talented uh, offences as much as it maybe could do. I still think their secondary is so weird to me. 
Juan Thornhill doesn't seem to be anywhere near the same level of player that he was last year. Matthew, yeah. I don't know if he played hurt for a lot of this year, but he seems to have been down on splash plays. And then Charverius Ward and G- Legarius Sneed uh, and and Rashad Fenton just all seem just so incompetent. You're forgetting the, uh, the resurgence of Mike Hughes as well. Oh, yeah, sorry. And then I'm also <laughs> forgetting the resurgence of Daniel Sorensen, one of the worst cover safeties in the entire NFL. So I mean, I mean, he has a free agent, free agent journey to the Giants written all over him, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> what are you on about? They've got Peppers and they've got Xavier McKinney. They're fine at safety. It's the Vikings that the Chiefs should be uh, eyeing up. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Sorensen um... to, uh, to replace Harrison Smith. Sorensen's just like Sendejo two point <laughs> Yeah, the Chiefs will be fine, and you you trust them to take care of their business against Pittsburgh. I think. Sorry, Tom, but Denver. I, I look Denver to the future, and I think that are Denver a quarterback <laughs> away from being like a deep Super Bowl run team? Yeah, they're in the same. I wouldn't. It will be interesting to see now that Fangio is gone whether or not their defense stays at the level that it sort of has done. Um, because he is a great defensive-minded coach, and he'd be a great DC basically anywhere. Hence, why like the year that he was the Bears DC, they had like the best defense in the entire league. And when he left for Denver, they sort of slowly started to drop back down again. But his offense in Denver has just been bad, and that's not to say that they've been lacking talent. I mean, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. Two of the best running backs, like in a tandem, of this year probably. Like Gordon and Javante Williams have been absolutely unbelievable behind a very good run blocking O line. There's no reason yeah. to say that a quarterback can't change around the Broncos. But over over the past couple of years, well, Garrett Bowles has become a premier left tackle in the NFL. So like, there there really aren't many excuses to not win in Denver. You know who my favourite guy on the Broncos O-line is? Is Quinn Minutes, the, uh, what, centre? Who is one of the most redneck guys that you will ever see. He's got a mullet, he wears short sleeves uh, everywhere that he goes, and he is just unbelievably fun to watch as a centre, because he just bullies everyone. He's one of the best centre prospects that I've seen go outside the first round in in what feels like decades, just because he's just so fucking powerful everywhere that he goes he does have wow. a tackles build doesn't he yeah he's unbelievable he has a strong presence he does <laughs> oh. is he is quinn miners the one who talked about eating squirrel is that quinn miners that sounds like about right i what i know about quinn miners is yes <laughs> Squ- squirrel as squirrel <laughs> down in the deep mountains of colorado you'll find these Colourful characters. Have like you ever like wrong turn eight? <laughs> Have you ever done a performed a medical or veterinary procedure on a squirrel, Sam? Um, we did get one in that seemed to be uh, struck with some kind of hind limb paralysis, um, and then when we tried to get it out to examine it, it bit my friend through Kevlar gauntlets. <laughs> And so she just ran outside with it on her finger and like threw it into the river. <laughs> oh my god! 
Not into the river, into the bushes next to the river. I feel. Yeah, I'm talking about the squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the second game on Saturday, which I think we can pretty much say meant genuinely nothing because Gardner Minshew started at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, who finished the year 9 and 8, but they were already in the playoffs. The Cowboys were a, a hope and a prayer away from the first seed, so they were basically playing for nothing. And the Cowboys just absolutely curb stomped the Eagles because there was nothing to play for. There was absolutely nothing to play for. And if you're going to tell any team that they have an opportunity to beat up on another, it's the Cowboys on the Eagles. It does It does say a little something. I mean, I know given the circumstance of the game, the Cowboys dropped a 50-burger on the Eagles' backups. It's not like a... There's not a great amount to be gleaned from this. But I would just say that, like, the Cowboys' first team did allow 26 points to the Eagles' backups. Hmm. Yeah, it's concerning. Granted, I feel like most of that came. Well, actually, no. To be fair, only four, uh, six points were scored in the fourth quarter. To be honest, it was most of the uh, Cowboys' points that were scored in garbage time. Which a little bit damning, actually, thinking about it, because it was literally the Cowboys' first team. I know that they were missing Michael Parsons because he was out with COVID, I believe. Um, but other than that, like pretty, pretty straightforward for a Dallas defense that will be looking to try and maybe make a, a nice run in the postseason. But fuck, this is not this is not the right sort of performance. Yeah, and the, not defensively because yeah, like like we say, scoring fifty points is it's not it's not a run of the mill scoreline. Like you should be proud of your offensive output, but I don't know. Did there, anyone, there are the questions to be raised. Did anyone hear the uh, the sort of most obvious audible of the week, which was uh, the Cowboys lined up and went for a draw play and they shouted Bob Ross at the line. And uh, I can't remember who it was. It was uh, Brian Greasy in the booth was just like, oh, Bob Ross is an artist. He likes the draw. This will be a draw play. Immediate handoff to fucking Ezekiel. Elliott. Like if Bri- if Brian Grease is Tony Romoing out of your audibles, then something's going wrong here. Because oh, but the Eagles somehow still didn't read it because the Cowboys managed to make like eight yards off of it. So obvious, obvious play call at the line of the week still meant nothing to the Eagles. They're going one and done, aren't they? I mean, what, the, the Eagles. Yeah, in in they're gonna come I up against the Cowboys. Might be going one and two. <laughs> the I mean, the, I keep banging on about this much to Max's annoyance, but the Eagles haven't beaten a team with a winning record yet. Actually, and in the playoffs, they've beaten teams who've since gone on to have a winning record, <laughs> but not all the time. And against the playoffs, you are playing exclusively teams with winning records. It's, it's true. Not kind of- oh, it's damn true. I I take any words on the Eagles with a pinch of salt from a man with such a visceral, visceral hatred of Jalen Hurts. I I unfounded by any means. I have been forced to eat a little bit of crow on my sort of Jalen Hurts takes. I don't I you don't could... think he's a franchise QB, but I think he's a I think he's a reasonable mid tier stopgap. What I think has happened regarding Ed not wanting to fully take back everything that he said about Jalen Hurts is that by week three, I'd got him to take back everything he'd said about Sam Darnold. And then I was proven 
and subsequently <laughs> Ed was then also proven to be hopelessly wrong. He doesn't yeah, I, want Jalen Hurts to go the route of Sam Darnold yet again. I had the rare, I had the rare, damned if I do, damned if I don't situation with Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts kind of reminds me of a man that I really like in Teddy Bridgewater, where he's probably just too good to think about drafting a QB, but probably not quite good enough to actually win you anything. I hear you on that one. Um, all right, let's let's move on to the Sunday afternoon games, and this is where you get most of your drama. And where better place to start than in Duval County as the Jacksonville Jaguars, 26-11 to 11 winners over the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. They come into this game basically guaranteed a playoff spot, and they lose to Trevor Lawrence. An unbelievable game out of the first overall pick. And the Jags curb stomp Carson Wentz and put them all out of the playoffs. MVP candidate up your ass, Because Jonathan Taylor's sitting at home with the rest of them. So, t- okay. so Tom, just, just remind us for a second. Who were your preseason Super Bowl pick? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I will happily I mean, take an L on this one. Let's not let's not chastise Tom's kind of championing of the Colts too much, given that your Super Bowl pick was the Vikings. Yeah, no, no, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, I don't want to say I told everyone so, but I told everyone so. This is Carson Wentz. This is an offense led by Carson Wentz. How did anyone think that this any other outcome was anything but a certainty? Because this was Jacksonville. They were they were protesting Trent Balky at the game by having <laughs> Clown Town flying overhead on an aeroplane. They they had uh, at halftime they had a fan answer a quiz question on the big screen and the fan answered C fire Balky. There were people <laughs> showing up in clown uniforms. This is Jacksonville. Even Carson Wentz couldn't have fucked this up this badly. This wasn't on Carson Wentz. It wasn't just on Carson Wentz. The Colts' defense were abysmal. The Colts' O-line were abysmal. They came out looking weak and soft and didn't want to play football because they were already mentally preparing for whatever the fuck kind of offense they were going to have to face in the playoffs. And in the end, they gave up 26 to the fucking Jags! They've, they've managed to, like, overcome like, bad to middling Wentz performances for like, yeah, eight, nine games this year. Like, don't don't put it all on him. I'm not going to pretend that I understand how this happened, but... <laughs> This this Colts team absolutely reminds me of like the 2017 Vikings where it was like a handful of players that are the best in the NFL at their position and then a bunch of random other no-namers like <laughs> like Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Darius Leonard could all be considered the best player at their position without right now without much debate but then they're also like the next start in Al-Kadeem Muhammad <laughs> yeah, like, Mo Ali Cox is getting like meaningful snaps and being an important part of your offense. You got to sort of hope that those those stars come to play. I don't understand the Colts' game plan in this game, which was 
even in the second, like, I get it, when you're losing or whatever, maybe get away from the run game. But when the run game is the NFL leading rusher and one of the most dominant freaks in the NFL right now, and the guy that you want to pass the ball is a Talk guy about Frank Reichs. <laughs> is a guy is a guy who pigeon toes every throw and plays hero ball for four quarters every game the reason why i picked the colts is because i had i thought i thought better of frank reich to not go away from jonathan taylor in a big spot when it matters and the defense to step up and what happened in this game frank reich went away from jonathan taylor in a big spot and the defense died a death because Marvin Jones Jr. made an unbelievable play at the back of the end zone. One of the best catches that I've ever seen out of a Jags player. I mean, the throw was was incredible anyway, but... To, re- to recover the bad snap, yeah. Yeah. Crazy times down in Jacksonville, and that means that the Colts officially out of the AFC playoffs after looking so sure that they'd be in two weeks ago. What a crazy that the, scenario. That the Jags managed to do this and still hold on to the number one pick. Yes, they did. Because the Detroit Lions beat the Green Bay Packers on the final <laughs> game of the season. If the Lions had lost, they'd have gotten the number one overall pick. But Trevor Lawrence gets the number one overall pick. I, To be honest, I don't even think that it really matters on who you get one or two in this draft. Because there's two, the two consensus best players to me seem to both be... In the same position and of equal talent, so. Are you talking Thibodeau and Hutchinson? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they're both. I think. I would say that maybe Hutchinson's an outside linebacker, and maybe Thibodeau's a defensive end at the next level. But like, I get your point. They are. Variations on a theme, aren't they? And I think that you're exactly right. I think the Lions and Jags as well. Yeah, I think I think Detroit and. Detroit and Jacksonville both. I I respect them going out for a win, even if it may have harmed them in the long run. But I I especially respect the Jacks now. Sorry, I especially yeah, not the Jacks. Sorry, the Lions. Like this is an exciting outfit. All of a sudden, like have another good draft, and this Lions team is a Lions team unlike anything we've seen since the I don't know when they were the Boston Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, spirited performance out of the Lions. They won 30, uh, 37-30 against the Packers, who'd already wrapped up the number one seed in the NFC. So I guess this is pretty much as far as we go with this one. Um, we, I guess we best turn our attention to the game that ultimately ended up needing the Jags to win against the Colts because the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Ravens in overtime. And this game... Could have gone any way, shape or form. Tyler Huntley couldn't quite seem to get going and then all of a sudden Latavius Murray busted the the longest run of the Ravens' season for a big touchdown early in the second, uh, second half. And big Ben Roethlisberger in what could have been his final game of his career produces one more game tying and, and ultimately winning drive in the fourth quarter. Um... The Steelers go on to win this one, 16 to 13. Uh, and the other piece of news is that TJ Watt uh, tied the NFL sack record. He got a sack uh, in the early, well, late second quarter uh, on Tyler Huntley. Could have, 
could have broken the sack record, but they gave it as a TFL. Um, apparently, the NFL is looking into whether or not that should go down as a sack because they. I don't. I don't know the ruling on on what makes a TFL and what makes a sack in that in uh, in that instance. But for now, we're proceeding as though it was uh, it was matched. Um, and then on the very next play, battered down a pass that could have ended up finding its way to Mark Andrews. Uh, just a weird game. Neither team really looked like they were going to get going. And then in the fourth quarter, Najee Harris comes back after uh, just a weird like roll-up of the arm, comes back, and him and Pat Fryermuth, the two rookies, lead the team as best as they can down the field. And uh, Chris Boswell, clutch in-game winning situations, just like Justin Tucker on the other end, uh, end up, well, Chris Boswell ends up winning the game late in overtime and officially deeming the Colts out of the playoffs and putting the Steelers in with a chance going into Sunday night. Yeah, this game, it it, it seemed like the final time we, we saw the Ravens cross the event horizon and have basically no first-team players available. <laughs> like, obviously, it's a little harsh, but it's, fa- it's fairly true. And the Steelers st- scraped to win against them, like... You're you're right in that the game was, the the game the game was. I that was that was <laughs> all I said throughout the entirety of any clips of this game that found its way to red zone. <laughs> I was just watching. Ah ah ah. Yeah. Oh God! Now he's not here. Should we talk yeah. about what really happened in this game? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does feel like some kind of gross injustice. Yeah, like I think that I think I'm I'm happy for Tom that the Steelers made the playoffs. Although I think, yeah, anything further would be a miracle, especially because they're playing the Chiefs. But I don't know. It's. I mean, I think it's. I think this game, or not, not this game, but just the Steelers and the Ravens. I think getting this Steelers team to the playoffs is a a marvel of of Mike Tomlin's work and <laughs> Harbour managing to like drag, you know, Ravens team that they had to just kind of plug up so many holes. And managed to field like a, a competitive team. It's like it's like it's always sunny where Frank has to like plug his cuts with trash. <laughs> Except they then plugged those cuts and ran for like sixty yards. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much that. Like this was a game of two great coaches with two bad rosters, um, and. One team had TJ Watt and the other one didn't. Also, I will say one thing. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick made probably one of the most underrated uh, plays I think I've ever seen out of a safety where late in the fourth quarter, this game could have been won by the Ravens because you get that completion to Hollywood Brown across halfway uh, across midfield. You're in Justin Tucker range. It's the fourth quarter late. That is Justin Tucker territory every single day of the week. 
And as Hollywood Brown is about to get his feet down in bounds and then get shoved out of bounds, Minka Fitzpatrick punches the ball out of his hands and ends up being incomplete. And that ends up resulting in a punt back to the Steelers because that happened on third down. Like, Minka Fitzpatrick is a ball hawk and that trade was already superb anyway. But the fact that that play basically got this team to the playoffs after so many other chances for everyone in the AFC to kill us off. Like, it is true what the NFL, uh, on the NFL podcast says, which is that this team is undead and that nobody has been able to find a finishing blow yet. But it's true. How This yeah. team has been what looks like a walking corpse to everyone. Steelers fans have been basically completely aware that we aren't making the playoffs for what, like 10 weeks? I've been sort of on this boat of, well, it's Ben's last season. I'm just going to enjoy it while it's happening. Like, I don't care what happens. And then all of a sudden, the team wakes up against the Browns and absolutely curb stomps them and then comes out as resolute as it gets against the uh, against the Ravens. Like, that's... They are undead, but how are you meant to kill that until Arrowhead next week? You couldn't resist taking one last shot at the Browns, could you? <laughs> Look, all right, Tom. That game Tom. was a playoff win. That's all I'm saying. Come on. One question. Yeah. One question, and then we'll move on. I won't ask you about it again. Who starts at QB week one for the Steelers? Annoyingly, I think that they probably re-sign Mason Rudolph to like a one-year prove-it like minimum deal, and just ride with that. Um, maybe get. Haskins back in the door just to be like, oh, if you play like shit like they did with Duck Hodges, we'll just bench you because fuck off. Like this team doesn't seem to need a quarterback. We need a no line is our is our main issue. So if Mason Rudolph comes back and is our starter week one, then I wouldn't be too mad as long as we improve our O line through that off season. Lean on Naji. I'm not sure those are the lyrics. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's move on. All right, let's move on to um, ooh the to be honest, this Sunday early window like those two were the main attraction in terms of actual playoff hopes. But we do have another game that meant something in the AFC, so we'll go there. As the Tennessee Titans very nearly threw away the one seed. Right at the final hurdle, they were up by 21 to nothing over the Texans, but Davis Mills, David Culley, and the gang of Merriweather Fugs showed up and had one last ride into the sunset as the Texans almost came back against the Titans, but the Titans ended up taking the win in the fourth quarter. 28 to 25, and the Titans take the one seed. Uh, A bit of a weird game again. I tell you what, if I was any one of those four teams, any one of the four teams in the AFC South, I would be I would be on the phone to Goodell saying, I will pay whatever you want to get me out of this weird cursed division. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Like what <laughs> what right do these teams have to play a mildly interesting game at this point? Like I'm don't get me wrong, the the Titans having an extra week will be utterly huge. Like, that is enormous for a Titans team that is getting healthier. Yeah. 
It, what's like, what's the situation for Taylor Lewan? I know that he went out week one, like before the game. But what's his situation? Because obviously the main news is Derek Henry, but getting your blindside tackle back in is monstrous. I don't know the answer to this, Sam. Do you know the answer to this? No. I doesn't sound like he's back then, unless he's already back. But I don't know. I know that that. That front seven on defence has been feasting all year, and they the last three games they've not come to play at all, which has been weird. It's allowed sort of teams to get back into the game, but you always you always thought they're going to have slightly too much quality mm. for the Texans. But I think ultimately, when you look at the talent that's at, at David Coley's disposal, I think to not be <laughs> to not be the worst team in, even in your division. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, the man deserves a medal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was another like stellar game for Davis Mills. He's he's proven to everyone that his his sort of his floor is a Minshewian backup, isn't he? Yeah, like minimum. But I mean, I assume, you know, for reasons that we'll get into later, I think the most likely outcome is Watson getting shot to the Dolphins and to be in that situation with whatever they'll get for that with Davis Mills still there, I feel pretty good I don't like, he's not he's not pulling up any trees but he's certainly a serviceable and safe pair of hands and I think that you know, these Stanford QBs have a have a propensity to be calm-headed you know, just decent. Like, there's there's no weakness to Davis Mills's game, even if there's no real strength to it. <laughs> he sort of just exists. I think I think this is a, a an underselling. If you, Perhaps if so. you look at the other rookie QBs in this year, you know, obviously Mac Jones has been pretty great, but the the pieces that he's got around him, you know. Especially with the the defense being so good in New England, they don't have to like lean on him and give him the ball as much. I just have two words for you in this discussion: Mike White. I should have been White? the first overall pick and uh, then thrown four picks in his very next game. That's great. <laughs> nice work in a big spot, Mike White. Got the Jets a win though. Almost better than Zach Wilson did this year. Hey, now. Actually, no, in fairness, I'll give Zach... Zach Wilson started poor, but ever since coming back from his injury, uh, well, mm. injury, inverted commas, um, I'll give him I'll give him props. He's played well. Yeah. You... And, and that Chipotle sponsorship's going to keep that money rolling in regardless. I The thing I'd say about the Zach Wilson... Jack Wilson Jets. Have we moved on now to talk about the Jets? Or... <laughs> uh, yeah. That seems organic. Yeah, go on, fuck it. Why not? Um, yeah, I just... I, I looked back at... I, I was sort of intrigued by what the Jets play calling on offense was like, and it was like... I mean, it was gaste here. Like, mm. I'll, I'll say that in terms of the lack of modern concepts that are in that offense. <laughs> <laughs> like, which every now and again they throw a wide receiver screen to Braxton Berrios and you're like 
this is <laughs> this is model stuff. <laughs> You're so starved of innovation on that offense. In fairness, the 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 two pitch wide receiver reverses that they th- uh, that they had to Brexton Barrios last week against the Bucks not only were slightly interesting, but they worked. Fuck yeah, it. I know. Just get Brexton Barrios the, the ball. Sneaky, sneaky, <laughs> athletic white guy Braxton Barrios to join the other <laughs> five hundred sneakily athletic white uh, wide receivers. Plug and play, Scotty Miller, right there. He just needs a receding hairline, and then he's got all of the traits <laughs> <laughs> that you look for in a white wide receiver. Oh yeah, Ryan Switzer's on the phone. Do you want to get him in to play <laughs> sneaky white, uh, sneaky athletic white wide receiver too? Yeah, sure. Fuck it. <laughs> You can double his buzzer punt return and let's go. <laughs> Fair catches every time. I mean, for some reason, I also feel like, even though he's a tight end, I also feel like this applies to Anthony Ferkser <laughs> of the Titans. <laughs> I don't know why. If Dawson Knox hadn't had such an amazing breakout year compared to the rest of his career, he would also be in this mold 1 million percent as well. Sneaky athletic white wide receivers. That's how it goes. I'd like to. I'd like to clarify that Braxton Berrios is in fact half Puerto Rican. Is he? Brilliant. Oh, our lazy stereotyping has come back to bite us immediately. <laughs> 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 Who did think it? We're talking Jets here. All right, who did the Jets play? Uh, they played the Bills and they lost 27-10 to 10 and the Bills therefore wrapped up the AFC East and got uh, a home field tie in the playoffs and they will be playing the New England Patriots. Whoa! Crazy. We'll talk about all those either today or on Friday. Probably Friday. I really I really didn't want this. What, the Bills-Patriots 3? Like another Bills-Patriots game? Yeah, I absolutely want this. Yeah, I want to I see. Think... I want to see at least nine hundred carries in the playoffs, and this game will go a long way to fulfilling that quota. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the year that has a has at least one Steelers playoff game. You should be happy. There's a playoff game that doesn't involve the Steelers. Yeah. Wow, it's funny because. I don't remember seeing the Vikings or the Giants in the playoffs either, so like this is a scenario where you're ripping into me for having a successful team. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking our season's not over. Where's your when's your schedule coming out, Ed? <laughs> oh, we were We came second in our division. Bill's so Patriots. Um, yeah, it... <laughs> is that sniff indicating decorative of uh, Bill's Patriots? The Giants have plenty of moral victories. No, they don't. You've got Kenny Dolliday no, on a fucking seventy-two million dollar deal. There's no, there's no moral, financial, or record victories here. You mean, you mean John Mara isn't a paragon of virtue? <laughs> I'm saying I that mean... Joe Judge got a stiffy over a fight in preseason. There's no morality here. <laughs> imagine imagine how aroused he's going to be when a wide receiver finally catches a touchdown for the Giants <laughs> Kadarius tone deaf over here passing Kadarius Tony didn't line. catch a touchdown either did you know, <laughs> I know. Nope. passing out on the sideline because there's no blood in his head anymore 
<laughs> How did we get onto the Giants? I I swore we wouldn't even mention you them. Let's this. not do you this. Let's this. not do Come this. Bills Patriots is happening this week. Let's move on. <laughs> Please. All football, all the time, and it's happening this Sunday. <laughs> I will say, Bills, it it bodes pretty well, I think, that the run game's actually come on the last few weeks. You know, maybe you don't have to give it to uh, to Josh Allen to try and make some ridiculous downfield throw on, you know, 30 of his 45 attempts. In 45 mile an hour winds in a blizzard, yeah. <laughs> 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 which which is still the craziest thing about that first Bills Patriots game, where like the Patriots clearly came in with the established run game, and the Bills were like, "I know that the conditions are literally the worst way to throw the football, but let's just have Josh Allen throw the football." Like, there's at least sixty mile an hour winds, and no kicker can make a field goal from twenty yards. But Josh Allen's arm is that strong. We promise. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> the man with the tungsten arm. <laughs> I, I Stefan like Diggs been... needs Kevlar gloves at the end of this year. Oh uh, yeah, I in case like any squirrels been... bite him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll do. They'll. They won't be any good. Those, those little bastards will go right through. <laughs> I feel like there's been a fair degree of Bill's disrespect on the podcast this year. And yeah, from Max. I mainly from Max, who I mean, the Bills are still here this week, and Max isn't. So take from that what you will. <laughs> but, <laughs> Josh I Allen doesn't have a sore throat. <laughs> well, yeah, he plays for. He's a, like the biggest piece on like an NFL team in the playoffs. If he gets a sore throat, they'll just like put stem cells in his like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, a quick college football question: Can either of you guys tell me what which school Josh Josh Allen came from? Um, um, uh, funnily enough, I actually i I saw this a week ago and I've already forgotten. Um, I'm thinking Appalachia. Uh, not a million miles away. He was from Wyoming, which is like <laughs> it's not a large program. Like I don't think when when you when the Bills took this incredible punt on Josh Allen, like they were hoping he'd be this good, but really the cards were stacked not in the Bills' favor on this one. Hmm. Mel Kiper believed in him. That's true. Yeah, Mel Kiper had him <laughs> as the quarterback one in this draft. With uh, Sam Darnold second. I think Baker Mayfield was like sixth in Mel Kuyper's thing. How right is Mel Kuyper gone? Anyway. Uh... I mean, he's... he's I, I just... I'm, I'm glad Max is here that we don't get the worst Josh Allen takes imaginable. That's true. Anyway. I'm, he's the best quarterback south of Yellowstone. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, the... Early window was all about the AFC, but this late window was about the NFC because there was plenty to be decided as the Falcons met the Saints in typical fashion. The Falcons and Saints played out a very weird game and the Saints improved to 9-8 and eight on the year. 30-20 to 20 is the final scoreline. 
Trevor Simeon came into the game for Taysom Hill, but it all meant nothing because over at SoFi Stadium, the Rams, 27-24 losers against the 49ers, and that means that the Niners clinch in the NFC and we won't have to watch any more Saints football this year. Ed, rub it in. <laughs> That's my whole, honestly... I, I I just I just get an immense amount of schadenfreude from watching the Saints lose. Like I, I probably I, I probably shouldn't at this point, but I still do. So. <laughs> I think that the season kind of put Sean Payton in the. I mean, we know he's a good coach, but I think it puts him in that little kind of him Tomlin Harbaugh Belichick. Well, just this season, like a pocket below Sean Payton. Tomlin, Harbour have done incredible things realistically with awful, awful rosters. <clears throat> uh, the sense defense is great, but uh, is there a point where we put Mike Vrabel in that conversation as well? Uh, yeah, to be fair, like I know that yeah. the Titans lost all of their wide receivers and Derrick Henry, and they still <laughs> managed to pick up big wins and and keep the one seed in the AFC. Like that's yeah. That's that is huge. So yeah, I'd put Vrabel in that category. To be honest, like I know that none of those four guys will end up winning Coach of the Year because it will probably go to like Zach Taylor for having one of the best rosters in football, and oh, the Bengals were like worst team in the whole AF, uh, NFL last year. So now that they're great, Zach Taylor must be a good coach. But Zach Taylor yeah, is think... still the, there's better guys that should. Because, like you say, got there with so much less, so yeah. much less. I think I think Vrabel is is my number one. Yeah, for coach of the year this year. Yeah, like I'm astounded that they managed to just like keep trucking along and keep that one seed. Yeah, I agree. Um, but anyway, Sean Payton did eventually pull out the win. 30 to 20. Um, the Falcons are just a, a hopeless franchise yet again. Uh, and uh, being 7 and 10 doesn't even give them like a good draft pick. And they can't draft anyway, so it doesn't matter. Thomas yeah, Dimitrov I mean, is think... one of the worst GMs for drafting. If they, if they had a little bit more talent, then they'd be in a fantastic position. I think if they, if they confirm that Matt Ryan's sticking around, no. Okay. Ah, I think he will. But... It's not like they want to start, I don't know, <laughs> Felipe Franks. <laughs> I don't think he's the long-term answer. <laughs> They'll probably just put Cordell Patterson in as the quarterback and just be like, ah, fuck it. He's been our entire offense this year. Let's just let's just throw him in at quarterback instead. I'd, I'd appreciate that innovation. It'd certainly be innovative. It'd be better than what the Jets are doing right now, but sadly the Falcons hey. are still they're just a Berrios away from success. <laughs> a Berrios away from a Super Bowl. <laughs> they need it's, one it's like... wide receiver. That's all yeah. they need. <laughs> He's got... 
<laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like looking at Adam Humphreys, like I'm not sure he's sneaky athletic though. <laughs> like where where's the sneakiness about this yeah. man? <laughs> yeah, he's he's like a tight end wide receiver hybrid. Where's the sneak? Give me the sneak. <laughs> looking at Hayden Hurst, like it's not you, is it, mate? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, if only we had a ethnically ambiguous wide receiver that was still marketable to the Midwest. Damn it, Christian Blake isn't doing anything. Because he's, he's the wrong kind of person. He's got the whitest name imaginable. He's not that guy. Get me Tim Tebow on the phone. Tell him to lose all the weight. <laughs> oh, God. This is this is genuinely the only way that you can talk about the Falcons, though, because they're in such a dire situation. I think that they're still over the cap projected for this year. So them and the Giants are both like completely fucked cap wise and need an entire roster rehaul, and I mean, they I can't feel, draft. I feel better if I was the Falcons. Mm, I don't know whether I mean, or not it's... I would. The Falcons don't even have like pieces on defense. Oh, or, I mean, on the the O-line. Like or on the O-line. Can I ask... Um, what, what does that matter when you've got Corderell? I meant to ask you, Sam, what's the situation for Nick Gates? Just on a... Well, with the, well, the last point I'll make on the Giants, I promise. I don't know as of... Oh. Okay. Oh. One hour ago. Really? There's an update on the Nick Gates situation one hour ago. I think I'm some sort of shaman. <laughs> He's making good strides in rehab, but that's good news because they, they thought it was a career ender when it first happened. So that's yeah. The the okay. I don't I don't want to say any more than this, but the Giants' O line just deeply, deeply depresses me. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, the Dolphins, Pen- Panthers, Falcons, probably Steelers all maybe have it worse, but Giants is is that fifth slot in the bottom five for me. Like, worst O-lines. It's just pitiful. Yeah, with if Nick Gates does come back and you still get a decent season out of Andrew Thomas, then that's two pieces to build around. But those are two pretty big ifs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway... On the Saints side of the ball, uh, Alvin Kamara had a sort of non-Alvin Kamara sort of style day where he had 32 touches for 162 yards, which, in fairness, like, the yardage is there, but Alvin Kamara usually ends up as, like, a split back. You never really see him have 32 touches of the football because they had to lean on him big time because Taysom Hill uh, can't stay healthy and isn't very good, and then Trevor Simeon ended up coming in and playing better. Um, split back sounds like a like fantasy slur. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like a species of beetle. Maybe for like a centaur or something. <laughs> you split back, non. Get back. Hey, get back to hey, your country. Feel the split back. Um. So yeah. We're moving on from that game to talk about the other one, which actually ended up mattering because the 49ers, Shanahan still owns McVeigh, even in a weird, weird season where many things are broken all the time. Matt Stafford threw a game-losing interception. um, And why was Jimmy G playing in this game? We'll never know. 
but they ended up getting a win anyway, in spite of Jimmy G's two interceptions. So that okay, there's a lot to there's a lot to disparage about Garoppolo. Believe me, we do. That last drive was that last drive was great. Yeah, I mean, even even in that, you see how scheme dependent he is. But there have certainly been better players that are also scheme dependent. Like <laughs> he he had a really really good drive, and it meant that his team were able to reach the playoffs. So no no Garoppolo criticism for me this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Another nice day out of Debo Samuel as well, by the way. Uh, four catches for 95 yards and rushed four, uh, sorry, eight times for 45 yards and a touchdown. Um, they also got like a, a, a sneaky good game out of a guy that early on in the season I was like, well, cussing out Kyle Shanahan's name for the fact that I've literally never heard of this guy when in week one, Jawan Jennings ended up having a touchdown and, and Brendan Ayuk was nowhere to be seen. But Jawan Jennings has ended up being like a sneaky, important piece as like that third guy for the 49ers. And he popped off again today with six carries, 94 yards and two touchdowns. Um, They also got like just a a really good day out of their defense, specifically Eric Armstead um, and obviously Ambry Thomas and Emmanuel Mosley picked off Matt Stafford. On the Rams side of the ball... Max is going to be proud of me here, but uh, are the Rams in a bit of danger from being way too turnover uh, happy right now? And unfortunately, is that on Matthew Stafford, who I have a lot of love for, but is not taking care of the football as well as I'd hoped? Yes, and yes. And this comes from another person who likes Stafford, but like, if he plays like he has since... Who did they play the week before Minnesota? If you if he plays, he's been in a horrific run of form. Like his 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 reading of the field has been remarkably bad mm. over that time, and it's cost him. It's cost him to see multiple games, and could end up costing them the place in the playoffs if they come up against the team. And he's still, it's not quite hero ball, but it's not. It's not clever quarterback play. It's not reading the field properly. Yeah, um, and it's ultimately it's the McVay slump that all of McVay's quarterbacks get in the second half of the year. One thing that uh, I can't remember were we? I don't know if I was talking about it with you guys or if I was talking about it with someone else. But um, Sean McVay quarterbacks seem to. It doesn't matter how they've done outside of a McVeigh team, but they all basically play at the exact same level. And it's like McVeigh has one benchmark and one ceiling and they are a flat line because Jared Goff with McVeigh was a guy that you could consider at least giving like an actual pro contract to. And Jared Goff without McVeigh is a guy that you wouldn't want to see playing as a starter in the XFL. Matt Stafford outside of Sean McVeigh, is a guy that just needed a good team and a good coach, and he would be elite. 
but has, has ended up at this level which Jared Goff was also playing at. Is McVeigh like just some kind of weird quarterback whisperer, but only to like a third gear quarterback, even if they are like immense? Like, if you put Tom Brady in his prime on this McVeigh team, would Tom Brady play the exact same way? And if you put Tim Tebow in his Denver slumps on this team, would he play the same way? Hypothetical. I, I, I would say this. I actually think Jared Goff as a player is far more suited to the McVeigh scheme than. Stafford is like I think that ma- making scheduled plays is what Jared Goff is all about, and it's not like Matt, Matt Stafford isn't opposed to it, but I think he likes to freewheel more than the McVeigh offense allows, and I think that we've seen in a lot of cases his picks are a result of like not even necessarily good coverage, just him not reading the defense, and I think that's because he's. His grasp of the playbook perhaps still isn't there, and his grasp of how to run the McVay offense perhaps is still a little bit lacking. I'm saying perhaps because I don't know the answer, but I, I refuse to believe that he's not a good QB, and I refuse to believe that he's not talented enough and aware of us enough to be making these mistakes himself, mm-hmm. which may I be mean, of me. Is is this season and like all of his foibles? Is that really outside of like the Matt Stafford experience? Like, I've, he's always had, like, bad games and bad picks. He's always been that guy. And, you know, he's been in the league for... Uh, 12 years now. Yeah, like, I'd expect that to, you know, get worse as, I mean... I don't think it's necessarily gotten worse, but certainly like the having to learn a new scheme and you know I really don't know that you could have expected like I think to I think to expect more than you know what his put on the field this season would have been naive. Maybe I was just naive then because I I expected Matt Stafford to be better than like the years of Goff under McVeigh, but thus far this year it's sort of not really it's not really working out apart from like the odd game like the Bears game and the Jags game where he like absolutely torched them but um mm. that's that's kind of why I'm here to to balance out both of your you know um quasi analyst points yeah, your reactionary, shallow <laughs> points that, if anything, are mainly a parroting of, of, of points that, are, I mean, you hear on around the NFL, but I can really dig in deep and, you know, find those little pockets of gold. Un-fucking-believable. <laughs> Un-fucking-believable. Are you hearing this, Ed? Are we going to stand for this? I've never been insulted in all my life. This Mr. is... That's unbelievable. <laughs> I... It, it was... It was. I uh, mean... I, I can't... Catch. I had two instances of holding in it. I yeah. can't... I, <laughs> I can't... I cannot believe it. That, that you've come a, in here after saying that... that after not having... After in our first year of doing the podcast, you were looking up how to talk about the NFL... That you're coming in here 
after admitting several times, Mr. Longdon, that you just listened to the Around the NFL podcast and then would talk about what they said. I will I will um, not have that you are now throwing that shade at us. Hey, that is downright hey, Sam, insulting. That was that hey, Sam, was, and I would love it if we beat them. Ball. Love it. That how many DBs are there in a standard nickel package, Sam? Fucking football dweeb. That <laughs> <laughs> was a, a little Don't give me numbers, give me results. <laughs> that was a little self inflicted dick. But the sarcasm <laughs> might have been a, a touch. Cramerian. It was Cramerian. It was fucking vile. That's what that was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a back. For the first first season, all I would like on the the Fridays that we'd record on my way back from college on the bus home, I'd run around the NFL. I would note talking points. <laughs> no, I would, I would bring them up verbatim in the podcast. Right, I've just made a note on sticky notes. You can, I'm fucking clipping that, that little <laughs> bit where you just said, "I can't believe it, Sam." <laughs> let's move on. Come on, let's 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 bring some, let's bring an air more of professionalism to this show. And get back on topic. As the Miami Dolphins in Miami, they sweep the New England Patriots thirty-three to twenty-four, and the Dolphins improve to nine and eight. And you know the worst part in the AFC is if the Ravens had won in overtime, the Colts would be in the playoffs right now. All because the Dolphins beat the Patriots. Oh, it's it's crucial. It's crushing. But the Colts are out, and the Dolphins get a win over the Patriots that ultimately ends up meaning very little because of the fact that the Bills also won in New Jersey, but uh, Mm -hmm. the Patriots... The inexorable inexorable pull of Bill Belichick to his former disciple, you know, (laughs) the overlord is ushering him back into the fall. It's crazy. Surely the, yeah, the most interesting thing about this game was not... Anything that happened, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the 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 main news is that Brian Flores, the guy that got one of well, a a very bottom tier roster to a winning record two years in a row, right on the edge of the playoffs. And somehow they went for the guy that got the winning records instead of the guy that built the roster that should have never been even close. To the winning records, the guy that drafted Tua Tonga Vailoa over Justin Herbert, the guy that's whiffed on every first round pick outside of Jalen Waddle over the last five years. How? All right, all right. How? Let's, let's, let's put a pin in that conversation because there was no telling that Justin Herbert would be the player he is. No one foresaw that. <laughs> <laughs> Tua was the safer pick at the time, let's not lie. Um, Justin Herbert's. Light year, leagues above Tonga Vailoa right now. But I don't think Greer deserves criticism for that. However, later <laughs> in that draft, he also drafted... <laughs> who Austin is it? Jackson. Austin, yeah, Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany in that, in that first round. And then the very next year, he went out and got Liam Eikenberg. And... Oh, oh. I'm, still, I'm still holding out hope for Eikenberg, I can't lie. But um, it's... 
yeah, I think that it's, it's becoming clearer and clearer with each sort of passing article that is released about the backroom dysfunction in Miami and how Flores was pushed because he wouldn't be a part of a, um, a Deshaun Watson trade. Like, he didn't want... He, I think... Whether or not this is the whether or not this is the reason, I think it's certainly factored in the decision making for the, the Miami head honchos. We want Deshaun Watson, and Brian Flores isn't willing to work with him. Can I just say that the Miami head honchos would be a far better name for this team than the Miami Dolphins? <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins provide an air of intelligence, whereas head honchos just provides an air of nepotism and greed, and that just seems like everything that Stephen Ross is about. Are you guys just gonna just gonna sit there and let this one just let this one ride? <laughs> Sorry, I thought I, I I didn't realize I was on mute, but I also didn't have anything to say. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I yeah the 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 dolphins are fucking weird, man. They'll probably go I don't know seven seven and three next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, I mean. If there was going to be a team that would tie more than once in a year, it might end up being the Dolphins at this rate, just because of yeah. how does how does an NFL owner and how do multiple NFL owners every single year consistently make teams that not only make their team no better but ultimately make their team worse on so many regular occasions? Like, there's no there's no reason outside of stupidity and uh, potentially um, controversy to fire Brian, uh, Brian Flores here. This this roster is a joke for the most part. I have to assume that as Max kind of posited in our group chat that they intend on bringing Watson in and Flores had some pushback to that and Ross decided that Watson was a more important piece than him. But the funny thing about that is that Deshaun Watson only waived his no-trade clause <laughs> to go to Miami for because Brian of- Flores. <laughs> like he, he was so wanting to work with Brian Flores and Brian Flores did not want to work with Deshaun Watson that it's now cost him his job. So now Miami could be potentially ending up with Deshaun Watson without the main reason to bring him to Miami in the first place. Yeah. And still no one to actually keep him upright, which is exactly what drove Watson to wanting out of Houston. Funny that. Do you think also that uh, Tua would start over Davis Mill? Like a serious question. Like, if you take the hypo- hypothetical trade, and yes, if so, but he would be the Minshew in the sense that you'd be like, "Oh, why is this guy starting instead of the the much more exciting and much more interesting backup?" I mean, yeah. I I think I think Tua would make a, a you know, if he landed in the right scheme, I think he could do do some good shit. But I don't. I don't think Miami's that. I think that no matter where he goes, Tua's end of season start line will be like, <laughs> I don't know, like through 
800 passes for two and a half thousand yards. I will say one thing <laughs> is because of the fact that the Dolphins O line is so so tragic, especially in pass protection, that even if Tua wanted to be even remotely more interesting with his with his throwing reads and whatnot. There is zero time, and he has to get the ball out quickly, which is ultimately pigeonholing him into being uh, 2019 Joe Flacco. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think you'll find that two is left-handed, so they look markedly different. Is he he just kind of palatable Joe Flacco? I see. I've I've thought about I've thought about two is throwing motion time when I look at it and I can't work out if it's weird because it's weird or if it's, or it's weird just weird because it's, because left-handed. it's left-handed I I think it's because he's left-handed and you're not used to it but he does seem to throw his entire body into the throw instead of like like he short arms it a lot doesn't he like yeah. he's got a very but then again you know we've 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 complimented players as passing motion and then they've gone out and thrown like three interceptions the next game so i feel like anything that we say about anyone's passing motion is just complete nor yeah. it's a it's a non-starter just yeah, like I don't, pod, I don't think this podcast is really a you know the elder council of throwing motion in the well that depends though i mean I mean, have around the NFL had any good pass motion takes recently that you can pick up? <laughs> no, which is why I'm fairly quiet on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then finally, let's uh, let's finish off the week 18 wrap up because conscious of time, and we've still got plenty more to talk about. Um, yeah, let's get on to let's get on to that Giants game. No. Let's move straight up from that Giants. <laughs> the, we are going to Sunday Night Football, the final game of the regular season, where all that was needed to save the world from another Ben Roethlisberger start in the NFL was a tie. And if it wasn't for Brandon Staley calling a timeout with 43 seconds left, we might have just gotten it. Because the Raiders then went... And kicked a field goal and won the game 35-32 to in overtime right at the death with two seconds left. And Daniel Carlson has been getting an absolute loving from everyone in Pittsburgh because that was the kick that sent the Steelers and the Raiders to the postseason and knocked poor old Justin Herbert out. And, you know, all of those interesting matchups that we could have had in the postseason are all comfortably closed out now because Justin Herbert won't be there the Chargers won't be there and the Steelers and Raiders make it all because Brandon Staley went for it on 4th and 4th and 1 from his 16 he went for it from 4th and 1 on his 7 16 yard line he called a timeout in a game where the Raiders were just going to let it run all they needed was a tie and they'd both be in oh. I mean, if, were it not for like Derek Carr being trademark car and like some pretty bad drops. This would have been a bit more open and shut. Like, you know, it sucks that the Chargers aren't in the postseason, but this game was like a 
it was a Chargers thing, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was a damning indictment of why they aren't in the postseason. Yeah, the one thing that uh, I've seen most Chargers fans saying is that, like, oh, I wish that we'd like, I wish that we hadn't called the timeout. And in fairness, because of what is sort of being very heavily hinted at by everyone out in the Raiders organization, including guys on the field, um, it probably would have ended up that both teams make it to the postseason because the Raiders would let it run down. But if you look throughout the season, Brandon Staley has analytics himself out of the postseason by not kicking four straight field goals against the Chiefs and going for it on fourth down to fail every single time. He went for it on fourth and one from his own 16, which is a cardinal sin in the NFL. The defense regressed pretty much the moment that I complimented them in like week seven. Their offense has had weird moments where out of nowhere they've just played like shit, not including Justin Herbert, who I think has played above that station, but Jared Cook and Keenan Allen in this game alone also had terrible, terrible drops. The Chargers have been the team that I think could have ended up this year at 13-4 and four and have analytics themselves into a 9-8 and eight and missing the postseason, all down to just bottling it. They bottled it. They tried to be too aggressive in stupid scenarios, and just like the Ravens, who did the exact same thing, instead of kicking field goals and kicking extra points, they went for it for two, they went for it on fourth down on the goal line, they went for it from fourth down in their own half, and they paid the price. They paid the ultimate price, which is missing out on more football. I will never not find that entertaining, though. Yeah, in terms of pure entertainment, it's hard to argue the Chargers haven't been a top-five team. Like... I I think that I think that anything below fourth and two you should go for no matter where you are, and I think that you should always go for a two point conversion. So like I'm perhaps uh, the wrong person to ask about this. You are definitely the wrong person to ask about this. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I will say that what the Chargers did this season was incredibly ballsy and entertaining, but if you're gonna if you're going to end up in this position where like it comes down to literally the postseason for a team that has been desperate to make a splash in a new city where nobody has taken to you, and even though you are entertaining, you're still not getting anywhere with it, surely one of these times you're going to have to try just a safe option. Yeah. I will, I will <laughs> say it. That does, uh, that does make a bit more sense as to why the first question in the Chargers uh, kind of post-game press conference was posed to an at NFL underscore Wilkins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can I say? I, I, I did want to ask some questions of Brandon Saley, but they were most like, <laughs> they were most sort of like, how do you stave away the boldness, Brandon? Um, <laughs> it's about it's 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 many you know, years too late. Uh, yeah, I mean they uh, are just they're just Minnesota West, aren't they? <laughs> 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 I I I have an I have a remarkably deep soft spot for the Chargers in the same way that I have a soft spot for my own team is that they will never they will never not find new ways to trip themselves up, and there's something in de- deeply endearing to that. 
Yeah, I think I'll. Uh, I think I'll go ahead with that. Like, yeah, the fact I like that adorably this... clumsy. Yeah, they are. They are a team that you absolutely adore to watch, but for most of the time, the wrong reasons because they will find a way to charge themselves out of anything remotely meaningful come postseason time, and it is a shame mm-hmm. because I, I was so prepared for this game to either end in a tie or for the Chargers to just get there anyway on merit, that I was fully prepared like for the Colts to win, to be like, right, the Steelers are out, I'm just going to root for the Chargers and just hope for entertaining games. And what we've got instead is uh, I'm now cursed to not be allowed <laughs> the Chargers to be fun in exchange for having to suffer through more Steeler football where I will have a heart attack every time anyone throws the football. Like good luck there with Patrick Mahomes. Exactly, that's what I mean. So <laughs> I could have enjoyed my wild card weekend, and instead I'm going to be a bag of nerves right through to Sunday night. But this is all on you, Brandon. You cost me this. <laughs> you cost me the opportunity, and in doing so, I thank you greatly. As, like, do you? Would you really want him to be more conservative with his play calling? God no. Once God every no. so often. Yeah. Like, no, once want, every so often. Be, fourth like, and fourth and one from your own sixteen is stupid. It hey, he is, doesn't manage it my is, team. It's fine. It is stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do it. I do it in RB. Yeah. I can't really say anything more about uh, about that. Josh Jacobs had a good game um, for the Raiders. He, uh, well, Ed, you had a particular point about you finally figured out what was wrong with Josh Jacobs in comparison to his rookie season. Yeah, it's been haunting me for a long time, and I've realised that someone's overcoached him and told him to sit behind his blocks, and then the good blockers have left, and he just gets eaten up behind the line of scrimmage. Like we we had this discussion. Like every Josh Jacobs run features like three cuts in the backfield, and then he maybe breaks a tackle in the secondary, but like in the, sorry in the second level, but probably not. And like he was such a decisive one cut runner in his first year that it's kind of a shame to see him like this. Yeah, and and even still, the Chargers' run defense allowed him to make that patience work, despite what has pretty much been like a a subpar Raiders run blocking team. I mean the I mean, trade the, the, to the lose Hudson the trade to lose Hudson was probably one of the silliest things that I might have seen because what are they doing now run blocking wise? They've got to go to Cincinnati and like fair enough but Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson have been playing great, especially in the run defense aspect of the game. What are the Char- are the Raiders going to rely on Derek Carr to throw up against Jesse Bates? I don't. I don't trust it. Do the Bengals have DJ Reader as well? Yeah. Right. There's no no chance. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no chance. Like, if you're going to have a patient run blocker and then trade away your center, and like I know that Richie Incognito is so key to how that O line works, especially in the run game. And he's been hurt all year, but like you can't, you can't rely on what a thirty-four-year-old controversy-laden offensive guard to be the one member of your O line that you don't trade away, and everyone else be just like, I mean, Alex Leatherwood is a guy that started as a tackle and they kicked the guard, and he hasn't worked at either point, which is 
a bit of a shame because I had quite good draft pedigree out of uh, out of the draft. You liked Leatherwood, didn't you? Yeah, you liked I did. Him a lot. I did, and it's just sorry. I liked Eichenberg. Yeah, <laughs> up top. <laughs> Oosh. Um, you fucking dweebs. Yeah. I suppose you like Raidens, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or was it um, what's his name? Terrace Marshall. That was your, <laughs> your real big pick. Uh, hey. Sometimes when you have so much, you know, it's almost like that Simpsons bit. What's wrong bit. with you? It's almost like that Simpsons bit where the What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? It's like the bit with Mr. Vern's like diseases where they're all trying to push through at the same time and none of them can get through. What's wrong with you? Instead of diseases, it's all nuggets of insightful analysis about upcoming draft prospects. And you know, nothing gets through in the end and you just have to you have to roll with it. Okay. I mean, to be fair, I used to live a life of blissful ignorance in the draft, and I do kind of miss it. Come like, join me. <laughs> the requirement to watch college football, like, I like it, but also I don't, because there's so much of it. I'm in the same boat. Like, I enjoyed yeah. watching the national championship last night, but that was because it was the one game that I had to care about. I watched a few pit games, that was it. And I didn't even watch them for draft stock. I just watched them because I wanted to watch them. You just watched them because AJ McCarron 2.0 was on the field. <laughs> oh. But, uh, yeah, I I think I'm just going to go back to being just a complete n- nothing in the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'll, I'll watch the highlights when the guy gets drafted. I'll watch the occasional Brett Coleman video where he does all the work for me. I'll listen to the draft punks. I'll listen to uh, the one that Kieran's on, and that's it. The college you... chat. The college full yeah. ten yards. Full ten, full ten yards, yards. That's the one. <laughs> Can you imagine the sheer energy, the vibes radiating from a man whose first name is Stets? <laughs> Stetson, yeah. I think he'd, I, to be honest, I'd prefer him if he was just called Hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. The the <laughs> NFL regular season. Friends call me Hat. The regular season draws to a close then, and the playoffs are now fully in sight. Uh, so just a quick reminder of everyone that's made it. The Titans and the Packers get the one seed. And then we'll have Chiefs versus Steelers at Arrowhead. Bills versus Patriots at Orchard Park. And Bengals versus Raiders at uh, Paul Brown Stadium. And in the NFC, we'll get Buccaneers versus Eagles at Raymond James. Cowboys at uh, sorry versus 49ers at AT&T. And Rams hosting the Cardinals. The SoFi stadium potential Super Bowl with the Rams right. is still on so I actively now want the, want the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl but I also feel like Paul Brown Stadium <laughs> is not suited to host a playoff game that's true <laughs> that is 
that is immensely true but it will be a game featuring the raiders so it's fine yeah, yeah. um so yeah uh those games will all be played uh from saturday through to monday night football which makes a triumphant return and we will be back to preview all of those games and potentially further on Friday, potentially being able to get the episode out uh, on Saturday or maybe even Friday night. But well, we was... obviously not before around the NFL get theirs out. So. Oh, yeah, of course. We've got to make sure that Sam is comfortably well, prepared. In fact, actually, Sam's not going to be on the Friday show. Exactly. He's going to be editing it. it. So he, he can wait until around the NFL. And then on Tuesday, we'll be right back to give you all the latest of what happened in the games that Sam didn't watch. I went there. I mean, what's the thing? If you shoot for the Kings, you best not miss. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kings of of pro football analysis. (laughs) Look, man. We're where we we are on hours. (laughs) <laughs> this is the college football meritocracy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's not a college football anything. It's... No, this 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 barely dips its toe into college football. It's too it's too scary down there in the deep deep dark abyss. Anyway, right. 